So uh, my, my name is Lance Pippen, if you did not know, uh, and it's a big, important day here at Stony Brook Christian Church. I'm the new minister here at Stony Brook Christian Church, so uh, that, man, that, that's great. Um, many of you knew uh, or know that I grew up going to Stony Brook. Um, man, and, and it's crazy. It's crazy to be back as the lead minister. And, uh, and you know, um, I, I was over in the activity center right outside the office uh, this past Thursday. And uh, Leslie, our, our secretary, she had already left. And uh, I was just looking around, and I saw the net man up on the wall, which I painted like 20 years ago. Um, and, and it's still there. Um, but, um, but, you know, it, it was just like a surreal moment um, that I find myself in Mark Woolard's office. And it's now my office. Um, but it, it's surreal. You know, just uh, John, uh, his communion meditation this morning about, you know, Timothy. Timothy was a Timothy. Uh, uh, I mean, that's where the name came from, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and now I'm back. And uh, it's great. And, you know, God's going to do some great things uh, with all of us. So uh, I'm excited for that. Um, you know, when I was here uh, giving my trial sermon back in uh, June, uh, I introduced my wife, Erin. Uh, she, she's here on the front row. Um, my mom and dad, a lot of you know them, Freddie and Brenda Pippen, they are here. My brother, Drew, uh, he's grown a lot, probably since a, a lot of you saw him. His wife, Amanda, who uh, is giving birth next month um, to a niece or a nephew. She doesn't want to know. Um, so, uh, anyway, and right now it's scheduled for my birthday. A anyway, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, and uh, my in-laws, uh, Jimmy and, and Mott Hudson are here, and, and one of my sister-in-laws, uh, Cindy, is here. Um, so it's just good to have family uh, with us this morning, and a special friend, uh, Miss Jean, to our family. She's also with us today. Um, but it's, it's great to be here. And, uh, and hey, um, one thing before I forget, uh, I want you to take your phones out. Take your phones out. Okay. Um, yeah, a preacher is telling you to take your phones out. All right, so uh, what I want you to do is set up a new contact. Okay, my name is Lance Pippin, P-I-P-P-I-N. All right, P-I-P-P-I-N. And I'm going to give you my phone number. So when you're ready, say ready. All right. I, I heard one ready. So um, who else is ready? All right. Um, I'll give you a few more seconds. So Lance Pippen, um, my phone number, which I'll repeat a couple of times, uh, is 252-917-2400. Okay, um, and what I want you to do is text me with your name right now, okay? My, my, my phone is on airplane mode, so it will not be going off. Um, so, uh, but just text me your phone number, okay, and let me know who you are, all right? I, I have some of your numbers already, but even if I have it, send it to me uh, again, okay? Um, and and that will be a good way that everybody will have my phone number and I can have yours, all right? So, uh, again, it's 252-917-2490, 2490. All right, 
So that's that. And I'll be around. So if you didn't get it, you can always ask me later. So, um, But hey, uh, so this morning, um, we are, I'm going to introduce to you a series called For Such a Time as This. And it's going to be uh, on, on the book of Esther. Um, and if you want to, you can go ahead and uh, turn to chapter 2 in the book of Esther. Uh, we're going to be there in a little bit. Um, so for such a time as this. How does it feel to be chosen? How does that feel to be chosen? Well, first of all, we might say, well, it depends. You know, what are we being chosen for? Uh, think about all the good stuff. You know, with the mindset, wow, you know, wouldn't it be so great to be chosen or be picked to do this or that? Think about that. I mean, things like being a grand prize winner in some kind of sweepstakes. For that promotion at work. To play on that basketball team or that other sports team that maybe you tried out for. For that all-expense-paid vacation to fill in the blank, you name it. Wouldn't that be great to be chosen to go somewhere like that, like all expenses paid? Or as a child in that adoptive family? Well, you know, with good stuff in mind, there's always got to be some bad stuff. The bad stuff to be chosen for, the things you never or you hope to be never picked for or chosen for, things like cleaning the toilets. You know, I think about uh, many years going down to Roanoke Christian Camp down in Washington, and, uh, you know, your room, uh, out of the eight rooms in each dorm, uh, and this was years ago, the camp staff, thank God, does it now or they do it now. But, uh, man, we used to, have to be responsible for cleaning the bathrooms and, uh, and that sort of thing. And, man, I, I've seen some stuff. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, um, so uh, also to be last on the team, to be picked or chosen last on the team. Um, how about this one? When your grandmother, your aunt, your wife, whoever, fill, fill in the blank there, ask you your opinion on their cooking. And maybe it's not something you're too fond of. And they chose you to ask, oh, how would you like it? Um, anyway, uh, the military draft. You know, this is something that we, we really don't have nowadays, but from 1948 until 1973, during both uh, peacetime and periods of conflict, men were drafted to fill vacancies in the armed forces, which cannot be filled through voluntary means. And some of these men, they didn't want to be chosen. You know, I, I remember my parents have told me some stories about people that they were in high school with, especially back in uh, the Vietnam days, about being um, drafted. And a lot of those guys did not want their number called. And uh, some of them lost their lives fighting for our country. So... And another bad thing that you don't want to be picked for or, or chose for is having to decide if someone lives or dies. To have that kind of question or that weight on your shoulders there. Why is all this important? 
Uh, there are things uh, we would love to be chosen for, and then there are things that, you know, we hope we are never chosen for. But God has chosen us. God has chosen us. Let me say that one more, uh, one more time. God has chosen us. If we are in Christ, we are his chosen vessels. We are chosen to be the ambassadors, his ambassadors to the world, to the places that we live. The problem is that often that is not a comfortable place for us to be as an ambassador for God. Being God's chosen ambassadors can put us in some uncomfortable positions. You know, people may not like us because of that. We may have to do things that are difficult. We may have to take some risk in, in, in the kingdom of God or for the kingdom of God. We may have to change the way that we live our lives. Grasp! Oh my goodness. We've got to change the way that we live our lives. And we have to go places that sometimes we don't want to go. You know, I think about Noah. Oh, not Noah, but um, uh, Jonah from the Bible. Jonah. You know, he didn't want to go to the place that God wanted him to go to. And most of us know how that story turned out. I'm thankful that he ended up changing his mind and going to Nineveh, where God wanted him to go. I think a lot of us know that being a Christian in this world, in today's world, in this time that we find ourselves living in, is often not going to be an easy thing or an easy proposition. We may be ridiculed. We may be challenged. We may be mocked, threatened, or even suffer because of our faith. If you're a Marine or a soldier in a unit and your platoon leader chose you to be the first one out the door, you probably don't want to do that either. If you are chosen to be the last one to leave to cover others, you might not want to be chosen for that task. So being chosen isn't always something that we want or that we seek. I know sometimes, I know because sometimes there are things that I have to go through that I would much rather not go through these things. You know, I would rather not be put in the position where people attack me or mock me because of my faith in God. I would rather not have those uncomfortable conversations about both sin and faith. I don't want people to not like me. But even more important, I don't want people to miss out on loving Jesus. So I have to understand that God chooses me to do things that may be uncomfortable for me personally, but are very necessary for other people. God chooses us to do things that we may not like to do or feel comfortable doing, but it's for the benefit of someone else. Just teasing the um, solution to that problem. Uh, the, there was a, a woman named Esther. Now, I'm not talking about Fred Sanford's nemesis, <laughs> Aunt Esther, Lamont's aunt. 
from the hit show back in the day called Sanford and Son. I love Fred's face up there. Uh, it's great. Um, but anyway, but this Esther, the Esther that's found in the Bible, was chosen by a king for his purposes. But God chose her for his purpose. And she had to choose between doing what was comfortable and safe and doing what was risky or dangerous. The stakes were big time for Esther. They were very high. The lives of her people, her family, they were on the line because of something she chose to do. Esther was chosen for a royal position at the right time and at the right place. The big idea this morning or this week is God chooses us for his purposes at the right time and also at the right places. The right time and the right places. Some background to this story. Uh, King Artaxerxes hosted a party that lasted seven days. How many of you guys can imagine partying for a week? Seven days. Uh, during that time, he and his guests drank as much wine as they wanted. And on the seventh day of the party, in a drunken state, as I'm sure you can imagine, the king ordered some men to get his, his wife, Queen Vashti, and bring her to this particular party. He wanted everyone to see how beautiful that she was, that Vashti was. In essence, he wanted to prance around her like she was some kind of show pony. When the men returned, they told the king that the queen refused to come. Refusing the king was not a good idea. But Queen Vashti had integrity, and she would not be treated that way by anyone like some kind of show pony, even to the most powerful king on earth. So the king was furious. Boy, he was hot. Since Vashti had refused the king, she had broken the law, the law there in the land. Everyone was afraid that if word got out that the queen had refused the king, that this might start happening with other women there in the kingdom. So it was decided that the queen could never enter the king's presence anymore. She would remain as sort of a queen, but she was banned from doing what a queen would normally do. You know, with reading this, it kind of reminds me of what's kind of going on with Harry and Meghan in the royal family. Just show of hands, how many of you follow the royals? Be honest. Be honest, Anita. <laughs> hey, my, my wife started watching The Crown on Netflix. Uh, I had no interest in that. No. But, uh, I mean, this, this same kind of situation is going on with Harry and Meghan currently. I mean, it, Harry still is a prince, I guess. But, uh, anyway, they've kind of been booted a, a little bit from the royal family over in England. Anyway, let's get back on topic here. Um, but isn't that something? Vashti, she was kind of stripped of her queen duties. She got to keep the title but she lost everything else. Now the king needed another queen, a true queen, one who would be more submissive to him and to his power. But she had to be the most beautiful woman in all the kingdom. 
and she had to be the, the most beautiful woman pretty much in all the land. They had a beauty contest, and the winner of which would become the next queen. Let's pick up the story in Esther chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading 18 verses. It's going to be up here on the screen behind me, and hopefully you've already flipped to it in your Bibles, but first 18 verses, so here we go. Later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let, let a search be made for a beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem of the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, so he followed it. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Among those taken into Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, who, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and her mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women uh, were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who was, uh, char- who was in charge of the harem. She, she pleased him and won his favor immediately. He provided her with her beauty treat- treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants, selected from the king's palace, and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and her family background because Mordecai, Mordecai had, had forbidden her to do so. Every day, he, he would walk back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and, and what was happening to her. Before a young woman's turn came to go in to, to King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed by the women, six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to her, with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go there, and in the morning, return to another part of the harem to the, uh, to the care of Shaskas, the king's eunuch, who, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. 
When, when the turn came for Esther, the young woman that Mordecai had, had adopted, the daughter of his uncle, Abihel, to, to go to the king, she was asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther's won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence of the 10th month, the month of Tebeth in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces, the provinces, and distributed gifts with with royal liberality. So, against all odds, here, Esther was chosen. That was a lot to get through, but that was her story about how she was chosen. Let's look at three uh, different people who chose Esther. First of all, Mordecai. Mordecai chose Esther. Her parents had died, and, and he, Mordecai, took her in as his own child. She was alone, and she was helpless in that world, the world that she lived in, but he took her in and called her his own. Secondly, the king chose Esther. She was picked to, to be in this beauty contest. Uh, think of the thousands who were picked throughout the land and throughout the kingdom. By God's province. By God's providence, she, she, had been, she had the best tutor and the best teacher and the best assistants even. Like, so she got hooked up pretty much with all, all, all these good assistants and tutors and teachers and that sort of thing. The others in the contest didn't have this advantage. There was really no hope for them because Esther was the only one. She won the favor of everyone that she came in contact with, including the king himself. Was it her beauty or was it her charm? You know, it was probably some of both. Some of both. But uh, the king chose her to be, his, or to be the next queen for him. Again, think of the odds that were against her. She was Jewish. She was, she was not Persian as everybody else was pretty much. The Jews were in a very precarious position with the political powers of Persia in that day and age. And lastly, the last person that chose Esther is God chose Esther. When you consider everything that had to go right for her to be chosen, I don't know about you all, but I think it's pretty obvious to me that God's providence was upon her. And wouldn't you agree about that? that God was with her even when all the odds were against her. Everything that happened, the fact that she picked, she was picked to be in the contest, the fact that she was entrusted to Haggai, the man in charge of the king's harem, the concubines or the women's quarters, whatever you want to call them, the fact that she had seven female assistants from the king's palace to help prepare her, all of this points to God's direction, that God helped her, that God chose her, and God was looking after her because of all this that happened. 
the idea of God's providence and the idea is that God intervenes. God still does. He intervenes in this world, in this universe. It stands in direct opposition to the idea that everything happens by chance. You know, there's some people in this world today that think that everything happens by chance. God is making everything happen. Um, through divine providence, my friends, God brings about his will, his good and perfect and pleasing will. I believe God chose Esther because he knew what was coming to his own people. He knew the danger that his people, the Jewish people, were going to be in. So before that danger came, he put the right person in the right place and at the right time. And next Sunday, on the 27th, uh, we will be uh, learning more about why Esther was chosen. Why Esther was chosen. But she was not chosen to be the queen or a queen for King Artaxerxes. She was chosen, chosen to save her people. That's why she was chosen. But, my friends, against all odds, God has chosen you. I want you to point at yourself and say... God has chosen you. Yeah, do it. Why would God choose to offer us a place at his table? You know, we are sinners. Why would God want to dine with sinners? We aren't perfect. We fail. We, we mess up. We mess things up. We are weak links. We are the last ones to be chosen. At least that's the way that we feel sometimes. Sometimes we feel that we have done so much. How can God keep giving us chances after chances and choose us? You know, Romans 7, through 25, Paul tells us here, uh, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. What does God see in us that would cause him to want to choose us? We were created in his image, the Bible tells us. There is potential for every single one of us because of that fact that all of us, we are created in the image of God. Let me share a story from, from a guy named Don Mustaine. Uh, this is what Don shares uh, he says, for what it's worth, I've been reflecting a little bit on what it means to be chosen. And because I, I, I listened to my cousin, whose name is Reggie Epps Sermons, I know he has been talking a lot about the Great Commission. Emphasis on the co, on the ca, on the CEO part of that word. Co as in part of any team. 
I believe we are chosen to be a part of God's team, God's army, if you will, and we don't have to achieve victory on our own. Don says, my cousin Reggie and his younger brother Jack, they were both phenomenal athletes. They both played four seasons of college football and were exponential in their roles. As you can probably guess, they were great athletes when they were six years old and eight years old and 10 and even 12. Don says that he was not. Yet anytime the neighborhood kids were choosing the teams for whatever game they were playing, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, uh, Reggie was always a captain. And he always chose me, Don said, to be on his team. And he always made me the first pick, even though almost any other kid would have been better or would have been probably chosen first. Can you imagine the pride and the passion, Don says, that I felt to do my best as a teammate for my cousin? My feelings of loyalty and love motivated me to give the very best that I had. The analogy to our Christian walk is obvious. Don says, God chose us before the world began, and he sacrificed his son so that we could come close to him as his sons and daughters. That kind of love and loyalty should motivate us to give our very best in doing whatever role for which we have been chosen to do. What a story that is. Yet against, uh, uh, against all odds, God has chosen us. Today, you may doubt my word, but listen to what God has to say uh, in, in his word. Uh, Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, I'm going to need your help, by the way. Therefore, as God's what? Chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. First Thessalonians 1, 4, and 5 says this, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has what? Chosen you, because our gospel came to you, uh, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. First Peter 2, 9 says this, But you are a what? Chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And Revelation 17, 14 says this too. They will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings and with him will be called what? Chosen and faithful followers. Man, it's all out there. God reminds us that we are chosen. We are not perfect by any means. It is true that we don't measure up to the holy righteousness and the awesomeness of God. But he, the God of all the universe, guess what? He has chosen us anyway. A man uh, from back in Greenville who attends Christ Church who had a couple of boys in my former ministry there. His name is uh, Lee Williamson. Good guy. Uh, but he shared this story. He said, I was chosen in the best kind of way. 
on July 15, 1966. Adoption. Just a few years later, he said, and I probably would have been a Roe versus Wade statistic, a.k.a. aborted. He went on to say, my sister and I both were adopted, produced of the 1960s flowered children, I suppose. Aside from accepting Jesus, it was the best thing that has ever happened to me. I've always known I was adopted. My parents did not try to hide it, thankfully, he says. It was a sealed adoption, so I have no idea who the bio parents are or were. What a blessing it is to be chosen. Amen? God's reason for choosing us is because he just simply loves us. It's not even all about us. It isn't about uh, deserve or not deserve. It's, it's all about totally about Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and the love that he has for every single one of us, every single person walking around this planet. He loves us. He has a great love for you and I. You know, as Christians, we are all chosen. We are all chosen. This is not me saying this, but God. He wants you to know that he loves you and he has chosen you. Romans 8, 15, Paul says here, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought your adoption, say adoption, to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And uh, in, in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, Paul writes there, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure in, in, in his pleasure and will. To the, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely given us uh, in the one that he loves. In him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to, the, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in uh, conform conformity uh, with, with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in that salvation. When you believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. So as we close this morning, like it just said, hey, let's just praise God right now for choosing us and adopting us. Hey, clap, clap it up for him. 
Yeah, that, that's great. Um, he chose us. God chose us. We don't deserve to be chosen, but God chose us. Against all odds, God chose us to be his very own. Uh, this woman named Stephanie Fast shared her life story in the book, She Is Mine. You may be familiar with that name, some of you. But um, she has an incredible story. And it's an incredible story of her as a little girl who was abandoned by her mother. Check out this video. a girl was born in Korea shortly after the Korean War ended. She was the result, the offspring, of an American soldier who had an affair with a young Korean woman. He went back to the United States and she stayed in Korea and gave birth to this girl. And from the very beginning of her life, she looked different. You see, in that culture, children of mixed races were shunned. They were ostracized. And this single mom tried her very best but after seven very, very difficult years, this mom did something that we find unimaginable. She abandoned her girl to the streets. She abandoned her daughter in the streets. And this girl was ruthlessly tormented by people on the street. She was called the ugliest word in the Korean language, which is the word tuki, which literally means alien, or even worse, it means devil. Well, two years of living on the streets later, a nurse by the name of Iris Erickson found this girl living in a, a garbage dump and placed her in an orphanage, which wasn't much better than the dump. And one day, word got out in the orphanage that an American couple was coming to that orphanage to select a little boy from that orphanage to adopt and take back to the States. So this girl, this abandoned girl, helped all the others clean up all the little boys, giving them baths and combing their hair, all the while wondering who would be chosen. And the day came. And I want you to listen to how this abandoned girl described what happens next. She says, I saw the man with these huge hands lift up every baby. I saw tears running down his, his face, and I knew that if they could, they would have taken the entire lot home with them. And then she said, and then he saw me out of the corner of his eye. You have to understand, I was nine years old, but I barely weighed 30 pounds. I was a scrawny kid. I had worms in my body, so many worms that when they got really hungry, they would crawl out of my mouth looking for something else. She says, my hair was white with lice. I had boils all over me. I was full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But the man came over to me, and he began, he began rattling away, talking in some other language I didn't know. It was English. And, and I, I just looked at him. And then he took his huge hand, and he put it, he placed it on my face. 
that hand on my face, it felt so good. And on the inside, I kept saying, oh, keep that up. Don't take your hand away. But you see, no one had ever shown me that kind of affection before. I, I didn't know how to respond, so I yanked his hand off my face, and I looked up at him, and I spit on him. Then I turned around, and I ran away. What this unwanted girl didn't know was what that man had said to her in English. You see, his exact words were, I want this child. This is the child for me. Did she miss her opportunity? Did she blow her only chance? Well, amazingly, this American couple came back to that same orphanage the next day, and they sought her out, and they found her. And he said, he said, this is the words he said. He said, I want to adopt her. I want to adopt her. And adopt her, they did. They took her back to the United States, and they named her Stephanie. And today, that adoption has changed this woman, Stephanie Fast Life, who is now finds herself a follower of Jesus Christ, who goes all over the country, and she shares her adoption story. You know, uh, what a story there. And, and even though, you know, we, all of us, we are far from perfect, Jesus chose us. His Father, God, chose us. If a team of righteous, godly people were chosen, most of us would be last on that team to be picked. You know, Kyle Adelman, he, he wrote, uh, this about being intentionally chosen. He, he says, I love that God offers to adopt us because adoption means a parent chose that child. You know, Kyle says, when, when I was born, my parents didn't choose me. They couldn't ask to, to see another. <laughs> they couldn't send me back. I was not selected. When parents adopt a child, they pick that child. Adoption is compelling because it doesn't happen by accident. It's not done by force, and it's not a requirement. If you've been adopted, you have intentionally been chosen. That's what God has done for us, Kyle says. Even after we made him our enemy, he knew the sum total of all of our sins. He knew all of our bad habits. He knew the messy lives that we would live and the poor decisions that we would make. Despite all that, he said, I choose 
you. That's what God has done for us. How does it feel this morning to be chosen? Let's pray. God, we love you. Uh, We just thank you so much for for choosing us. I mean, it's just that simple. God, you have every single right to, to want nothing to do with us just because we sin daily. We mess up daily. We are messy people. But still, you have chosen us and you love us. And you sent Jesus for us to bring us back closer to you. Thank you for not seeing all of our faults, but seeing us as simply your children. And thank you every single day for choosing us day in and day out. I pray all this in your name. Amen. So we, we've talked a lot this morning about being chosen. Esther was chosen, and what a time that was for her and for her people. But God has chosen you. The question is, will you choose him? He already knows all about you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your sin. He knows your imperfections. And like I just said, he still chooses you over and over and over again. But you still have to choose him. Truly choose him. Not just on Sundays, but every day, every minute of the week. Choose him. Maybe today you've never chosen Jesus as your Savior. He is ready. He has already chosen you. He's like, choose me. Or maybe you need to rededicate yourself. And if that's you this morning, I invite you as the the praise team is up here during this last uh, last song, I will invite you to come up and talk to me and I can pray for you and uh, we can, you know, share the next steps about choosing Jesus as your Savior. So uh, let's do that this morning. Please stand and, uh, and let's sing this last song.